Pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Colorectal cancer is common and lethal. It's the third most common cause of cancer death in the United States, although mortality has been decreasing by about 3% per year since 1990. We hear less about cancer pain because doctors and other healthcare providers don't dismiss the pain as all in the patient's head. Not only that, but family members and friends typically believe that cancer patients experience pain. Most of all, there's much less controversy about using opioids to control this type of pain compared to non-cancer pain. We've made progress in treating cancer and extending the lives of those with the disease. But cancer carries a hidden, dark side related to pain. That is, the better we've done in treating patients with cancer, the more that cancer survivors are living with pain. It's often the damaged nerves from chemotherapy that's the culprit. Surprisingly, cancer pain is so often undertreated that almost 50% of cancer patients suffer needlessly. The good news is that there are therapies and procedures that can ease the discomfort. On today's show, we'll highlight what you need to know about rectal cancer and the painful symptoms that can occur. Our first guest is Tommy Chong, part of the legendary comedy team of Cheech and Chong. Tommy will share his battle with rectal cancer and the triumphs he's achieved in overcoming his pain. Then Dr. Luis Diaz joins us. He's an associate professor of oncology at the Johns Hopkins Cancer Center and a leading authority on rectal cancer. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, The Pain Community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Tommy Chong is a Canadian-born comedian, actor, and musician. He was part of the Cheech and Chong duo that became a very successful comedy act and later played Leo on Fox's That 70s Show. Tommy, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Before we begin, I want to congratulate you for making it into the semifinals of Dancing with the Stars, 19th season. Jennifer Grey, uh, another celebrity guest that I had on the show, actually won Dancing with the Stars in 2010. <laughs> well, I paid a, I paid a, a terrible price for, for that effort, but uh, I was just looking at uh, some of the uh, old tapes just before you called, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was, I was quite impressed with myself. <laughs> well, in fact, you were the oldest contestant to have made it to the semifinals of that show. 
Tommy, you were diagnosed with rectal cancer in June of this year. How was it diagnosed? Well, you know, I started getting signs of something wrong during Dancing with the Stars, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, because it was such a stressful uh, period of my life. Yeah. You're there seven days a week, you know, and that's a lot of uh, exercise for a guy my age. (laughs) You know, everything changed. My diet changed. My uh, physical output was, was tripled. I started getting symptoms of something wrong, you know, in, in the rectal area. Yeah, Tommy, what were those symptoms? It was smell without being able to control it, mm-hmm. you know. And then there was some blood in the stool, and then they found the tumor in the, in the rectum. Did you have any pain that was associated with the initial symptoms of rectal cancer? No pain, just discomfort. And then once I found out I had the tumor, then I was having trouble uh, with the bowel movement. Mm-hmm. There was obstruction. Obstruction, right. And I know that can happen with rectal cancer. Uh, you also had radiation therapy. Talk about that. What was that like? Radiation, it was okay, you know. I mean... Well, I, I know you needed surgery, though, too. Even though it meant uh, that the operation would close the uh, the anus forever, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I would have to be fitted with a colostomy bag. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I've had other patients say that the radiation therapy for rectal cancer can be pretty uncomfortable. Was it for you? Oh, yeah. It was just uncomfortable in the, in the anus. It, it caused fatigue. Yes, fatigue. I, I couldn't do anything after I had that. You know, I had to go home and kind of rest. You mentioned earlier that you had surgery for the rectal cancer and that it was, I think, stage one. There are different forms of anesthetic that can be used for these types of surgeries. And I think you had an epidural. How did that work for you? It was great. It was perfect. I suffered no discomfort. I, you know, I was tied up like a pretzel, but, you know, it didn't affect me at all. Well, that's great news. I'm glad the epidural was so effective for you. Uh, Tommy, some patients tell me that the effects of chemotherapy are worse than the cancer itself. Well, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it, it tears up the immune system. And mm-hmm. it's, it's terrible. You know, it, it, it changed my mood. Okay. Instead of being creative, I, I got very lethargic. Okay. I was tired all the time. Mm-hmm. Did you experience anything else? I mean, any other symptoms from, from the cancer or the chemotherapy or radiation? Well, something caused a lot of weight loss because I dropped about 30 pounds. Wow. But uh, the good news is that I've been trying to lose weight all my life. <laughs> you know, I'm a body builder. So when I lost the, the weight, I looked in the mirror and I, I, my waist was gone. Mm-hmm. I, I'd lost my waist. It's coming back now. But then, then I decided, wow, I'm going to take advantage of this. I, I've got a habit of turning whatever happens to me into a plus. Mm-hmm. Instead of worrying about it, I, I enjoyed it. I said, oh, this is great. And, then, and now I'm slowly building my, myself back up. That's great to hear. It sounds like you had surgery and they removed all of the cancer. Is that right? Yes, it did. Yeah, they they got it all and, and they, they did a sweep. They found out that, you know, the, the cancer hadn't gone anywhere. Excellent news. I know that you also use an intravenous PCA device. That's intravenous morphine or intravenous dilaudid for post-operative pain control in conjunction with the epidural. And it seems like both provided excellent pain relief after the surgery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything was rosy. Everything was great. You know, my mind was clear. Uh, you know, I could uh, think good thoughts. That's really important, and I've heard that, and I do hear that from a lot of patients who have epidurals or who use intravenous PCAs for pain relief after surgery. Here comes a break. When we come back, 
Tommy Chong will talk to us about his use of marijuana. You'll want to hear this. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. Welcome back to the show. Now, marijuana. More than a dozen states have legalized medical marijuana, and a few have legalized recreational marijuana. I mean, it's a hot topic. Uh, Tommy, you're an activist for legalizing marijuana, and and I've read that you're using cannabis as a pain reliever. How effective has that been? It's been super effective. Pain is in the brain. Mm -hmm. When they rearranged my body, they had to deal with all these nerve endings. So my brain feels that these nerves are exposed. There's this fear. It's more fear of pain than actual pain itself. Mm -hmm. When anybody, like, like the way my butt is sewn up now, there's some areas there that hasn't been healed. Right. And so we have to put little strips of uh, uh, string in there, you know, and it's like a wick, you know, it soaks it up. Mm-hmm. Then we pull the wick out with all the blood and stuff on it. And so that I've been doing that every day. Well, when my son, who's been putting the, the wick in, into my butt, when he even comes near my butt, my brain goes crazy. Yep. It feels like I'm going to have a poker shoved up my ass or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so my, my brain goes crazy and I have to calm myself down. Yeah. And so if he just touches me with his finger or hand in that, you know, it's just like electric shock. Mm-hmm. So it's the nerves that have to be calmed down. Right. And so when I, when I smoke uh, weed, the brain becomes very calm. And then as a result, the nerves disappear, you know, yep. and everything gets calmed down. Mm-hmm. Then I get an appetite, you know, my, my taste buds come back. But because before I started smoking pot, uh, I couldn't eat. And that's one of the reasons I lost all the weight. Okay. Anything I put in my mouth, it just tasted like uh, anesthetic. You could, you could taste it. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like smoking marijuana in advance of these dressing changes is terrifically helpful for pain control. Yes. How often are you smoking the marijuana? Oh, I smoke every day. Once in the morning. Sometimes not now because I've calmed myself down. At, at night before I go to bed, I'll smoke up. Because the other thing, if I don't smoke, I'll go to bed and all of a sudden my body gets all itching mm. and I start scratching and I can't stop. Mm-hmm. But if I smoke pot before I do that, then it calms everything down. Mm-hmm. When did you begin using cannabis recreationally? Actually, I started when I was 18 years old. I was 1958, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was I was always a very lightweight smoker. You know, when we're in Canada, yeah. you never knew when you are going to get another joint. So I would make one joint last for like a month, you know, just a couple of tokes. And, I, and I've always been like a very lightweight uh, smoker. I just smoke enough to... To, to get the effect I need. And then if I need more, then I smoke more. Okay. Now let me say a couple of words about cannabis. It's one of the most popular recreational drugs worldwide. It's a controlled substance in the United States, and it's illegal in most countries. 
Cannabis is obtained from hemp plants, and it's one of the oldest and, as I mentioned, most widely used drugs in the world. THC means tetrahydrocannabinol, and it's the major psychoactive ingredient in marijuana or cannabis. When we talk about cannabinoids, that's the term used for all compounds that are structurally related to THC. And medical cannabis refers to the use of cannabis or cannabinoids to treat disease or alleviate symptoms. Uh, Tommy, educate me. When, when earlier you talked about smoking marijuana, are you just taking a couple of puffs or are you smoking the entire joint? I would take maybe two or three puffs and then put it on. Or if it's a pipe, I would do it just to see the amount of uh, your, your little baby fingernail. You know, inhale a couple of uh, times and that's all I need. Okay. Please join us for part two of the show when Tommy Chong shares much more about treatments for pain and how cancer has changed his perspective on life. Tommy, thanks so much for being here today. My pleasure, my friend. Don't go away. There's a lot more ahead with Dr. Luis Diaz, leading authority on rectal cancer. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Dr. Luis Diaz has pioneered several genomic diagnostic and therapeutic approaches for cancer. He specializes in the treatment of colorectal and pancreatic cancers, and he's an associate professor of oncology at the Johns Hopkins Cancer Center. Dr. Diaz, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Our first guest, Tommy Chong, was recently diagnosed with rectal cancer. Give us an understanding in its basic form of what that is. Cancer is a collection of diseases whereby there have been some changes in the DNA of a cell that is normally dividing and then dying Mm -hmm. that doesn't die and rather than not dying, continues to grow and invades adjacent tissues. Right. It can happen in various locations in the body and as a result, you get cancers of the colon or cancers of the rectum, Mm -hmm. and those cancers don't remain confined to those different tissues. They grow, and oftentimes they metastasize. But during this process, the patient feels different things. Discomfort, they may feel new growth, and then, of course, people feel pain. Exactly. Luis, what specifically puts us at risk for rectal cancer? The real answer is that no one has a clear understanding of what puts us at risk. Things like hereditary mutation that put you or predispose you for rectal cancer or colon cancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are certain family syndromes that are associated with that. Some people think diet is a big contributing factor. Other people think that as you get older, your cells have a higher tendency to get mutated and they may mutate into cancer cells. There are things like radiation toxins. And then, of course, there's just bad luck. Randomly, you get a mutation in a gene in that cell that turns it into a cancer cell. Well, I mean, so there are several factors that could put us at risk for rectal cancer. Dr. Diaz, what about screening tests? Are there certain screening tests that we should be aware of? We have two things. We have a preventative measure, which is the colonoscopy. 
one puts in a probe that enters through your anus, goes in through the rectum, and then evaluates your entire colon and rectum for what we call polyps Mm -hmm. or precancerous lesions. If you develop a polyp, which is an out-of-control cell that wants to become a cancer, the gastroenterologist can just cut it out, and then that will never grow up to be a cancer. So that's a preventative procedure. Right. And the current standard of care recommendation is that you get a colonoscopy starting at age 50. If you have a family history of cancer, and you have a father, a brother, a sister, even a grandparent with colon cancer, and let's say they got colon cancer at age 45, mm-hmm. you need your first screening colonoscopy at age 35. Okay. The second piece of uh, information I'm going to give you about detection of of rectal cancer is because it's so close to the anus that things like blood in your stool, mm-hmm. a change in the color or smell of your stool is sometimes an early warning sign that something's going on there. That should send you to your doctor and your gastroenterologist as well. Really good information. Are there any biomarkers for rectal cancer? Yeah, absolutely. So what people are doing are analyzing blood tests that can detect cancer early and test to analyze your stool to see if there are DNA fragments there that are suggestive of cancer or precancer. Mm-hmm. Are any of these tests currently available? There's one available currently by a company by the name of Exact Biosciences out of Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And they actually test for changes in the DNA found in your stool that may predict whether or not you have cancer. Rectal cancer? Colorectal cancer. Tommy Chong began having trouble with bowel movements. I think that was one of his first symptoms. Is pain one of the first symptoms, though, of rectal cancer? It can be. And like all cancers, it depends on location, location, location. The way rectal cancer can cause pain is a variety of different ways. Mm -hmm. And the most obvious way to think about is obstruction. It can interfere with your normal bowel Mm -hmm. movements. And that obstruction can cause a backup, abdominal bloating, constipation, and passing a bowel movement can be incredibly painful. Because you're passing bowel movements, the colon cancer can get irritated, or the rectal cancer can get irritated. It can become inflamed. And that inflammation, in addition to an obstruction, can cause pain. Right. And rectal cancer can spread or metastasize to several organs of the body. We'll find out where after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we're here with Dr. Luis Diaz, Associate Professor of Oncology at the Johns Hopkins Cancer Center. Luis, where does rectal cancer typically metastasize? It leaves the rectum and goes into something like the bladder or into the sacrum or into the lymph nodes around the rectum. Another third of the cases end up in your lungs, Mm -hmm. and then another third end up in your liver. Okay. What are the survival rates? Good. If you catch it early, either at the polyp stage or the stage one, where it still hasn't even invaded muscle, the surgeon can oftentimes go in and just remove it superficially. Once it begins to invade into the muscle of the rectum or 
within the lymph nodes, then what you have can be a very significant surgery Mm -hmm. where they actually remove your rectum. They may or may not be able to connect your colon to your anus, and then you require radiation and chemotherapy. And in those situations, a cure rate, about a little more than two-thirds of patients are cured. Well, that's still pretty good. Is there any association between prostate cancer and rectal cancer? Because Tommy Chong had both, prostate first and then rectal cancer. Typically not. There's an association with a Western diet and cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a Western diet meaning low fiber, high saturated fat. Yeah. There is also an association with a high fiber diet and a decreased risk of cancer, particularly colon rectal cancer. I really hope everybody listening takes this opportunity to improve their diet. Luis, in your experience, do patients develop chronic pain after surgery for rectal cancer? They, they do. I have a subset of patients with rectal cancer that, that have chronic pain. Yeah. But this is a conundrum as an oncologist. Is the pain a result of tumor growing back? Mm-hmm. Or is the pain from the radiation slash chemotherapy slash surgery? Yeah. And it's incredibly difficult to determine. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned various different potential sources of chronic pain in cancer patients. Uh What kind would you say is involved with chemotherapy? Very little. Most of the discomfort from chemotherapy are things like nausea, fatigue, Mm -hmm. but not focused on the rectum. If anything, those symptoms get better because you're shrinking the tumor with the chemotherapy. Right. And as you shrink the tumor, the pain gets better. Mm -hmm. In contrast, radiation can cause local inflammation that can transiently make the pain worse. Right. Now, with respect to radiation, I've heard some say that radiation therapy isn't a major source of cancer pain because it doesn't damage nerves directly. On the other hand, it damages the blood supply to the nerves, which indirectly damages nerves. Well, it depends on what type of pain you're talking about. Chronic pain, maybe. Acutely, it can cause inflammation and pain. But then there's also a healing reaction to radiation. And if that healing reaction compresses certain nerves, causes the buildup of scar, Mm -hmm. all of that can contribute to the pain complex. Okay. Luis, I've read about a drug called amifostine Mm -hmm. that can be given before radiation therapy to protect blood vessels and thereby minimize nerve damage. Yeah. How effective is that? I don't know the data on rectal cancer. I know they've used it for other tumor types, such as head and neck cancer, Mm -hmm. and there has been positive data there. My concern is that it might interfere with the mechanism of anti-tumor action. Okay. It's certainly worth evaluating. I've seen patients, uh, gosh, several years after radiation therapy who develop chronic pain. Have you noticed this as well? We surmise it's from the radiation or surgery because there's different phases to healing. There's the acute healing, which is essentially controlling blood flow and infection, Mm -hmm. followed by subacute healing, which is reorganization of the the planes that were disrupted initially. Right. And then finally, there's chronic healing and reorganization. So there's, a, there's no rectum there anymore. So the body changes to, uh, to accommodate that. And sometimes that change will compress nerves or kill nerves mm-hmm. 
or cause bulky structures that cause pain. Sure. You know, there are many sources of cancer pain. Chemotherapy, radiation, bone marrow biopsies, spinal punctures, for example. But associated infections can cause pain, like herpes zoster, known as shingles. Have you seen this? I have seen a few cases of that. And not necessarily with rectal cancer. More systemic diseases that require more systemic treatment to suppress the immune system. Sure. I mean, I think this is an underappreciated phenomenon, though. That is, infectious diseases that result from cancer or chemotherapy that can lead to pain. Dr. Diaz, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Paul. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope it was helpful to your listeners. I know it was. Join us for part two when we explore the risks of continual pain following chemotherapy for rectal cancer and the promise of pain therapies for controlling this disease. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.